and I thought we smelled bad on the outside. It's time for How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the Osip Foundation Incorporated. Yours truly, Jack, for along with you as we talk to you about what's going on. As far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned, this is the first episode of the month of June, the year 2018. Glad you can be with us across the way from me, my good friend and producer engineer, Sean Ryan. Hello, Sean. Hey, Jack. What's happening? Uh, well, uh... Star Wars. Yeah, that's definitely happened. I'm still tired, to be honest with you. Uh, me too. Yeah, Try, you trying to trying to trying to shake this headache. But it's trying, it's, it, here's the thing about it. So Sean and I went to see Solo, a Star Wars movie, last night, and we went to like a 10:15 showing. And by the time you get home, and you're so wound up from seeing a Star Wars movie or something where you really have an investment in it. You can't just go right to sleep. No, you, you, you know? have to process everything. Yeah. And so, I mean, I was up till at least 3 a.m. just trying to I went unwind. to bed at 2. Yeah. For me, it was the fact that uh, I was watching reruns of Whose Line and also Googling everything I could about the movie. Before so. and after you see it. Exactly. You exactly. Gotta, yeah. You know. hey, listen, hey, I was really surprised by the, uh, the big twist at the end when uh, Chewbacca takes his mask off and it turns out to be Mr. T. Is that what happened? Yeah. Wow, we yeah. must have seen two completely different movies. Well, you, you had to excuse yourself at some point to right. uh, go to the bathroom, I think. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, maybe that's when that was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just wish no. I saw, I just wish I, I saw IG-88. Yeah, he's just... He's, I really want to see a movie with IG-88. Well, they just announced they're doing the Boba Fett movie. or they that's They've true. all but announced, because Lucasfilm hasn't said anything, but every media outlet in Hollywood is saying... Boba Fett movie, Obi Wan Kenobi movie, right. you know. So you know, and you, I, I feel like I'm the only one that really likes IG88 better than Boba Fett. I don't, I don't have an issue with what you're saying. I've got, but you like know? no one ever said, no one ever says IG. Well, you're you're also a big dark side guy. You I know, am. you're an Empire guy. I am. You know, and I'm I'm more of a Rebels guy. But IG88, so. yeah, he's he's a freelance, he's a bounty hunter. Yeah, you just love the bounty hunters. I do. There's nothing wrong with I, that. I've I read the the bounty hunters book. The, the you know the short yeah. stories of I each have, one. I have a great respect for the bounty hunters, and I don't read. Uh, you, so you, as we've discussed it, many so times, for on me to show, read something, you have a hard enough time reading, adulting, right. humaning. Right. It's so, amazing that I can get up in the morning and put pants on. I, I'm with you there, man. <laughs> in fact, I I am I am so shocked at how well I can actually dress myself that there are those who say, "Okay, the material is old. We all know that you can dress yourself. Come up with a new joke." So. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Okay. What, what are you going to do? Yeah. All right. So now that we've got our uh, our Star Wars on the brain. We'll probably talk about it again. I'm sure. I'm sure we will. I hope we do. We probably will. Okay. We probably will. Um, I thought we would uh, do a couple of different things today. We don't have too much on our plate to talk about today, so I wanted to do a couple of different other things first. Sure. Uh, the first thing I wanted to do before we get into everything is just take the time to kind of plug... Um, OSIP as a whole, you know, we talked last time very briefly about some of the um, exciting new programs we were rolling out and whatnot, and I thought this would be a good opportunity to kind of just let our listeners know, you know, what we've been doing if they haven't been aware of it and what we're now going to be doing so that they, they're well aware of, you know, some of the stuff that we have to offer. I mean, everybody, I think, obviously knows that OSIP as, as, a, as a nonprofit charity is uh, 
you know, promotes good sportsmanship, what it stands for, the things that we preach, the things that we like and don't like, et cetera. So we don't really have to go into the mission statement or anything like that. Um, and I think everybody also knows that uh, we obviously host the trivia nights in the area locally that, you know, it's always free to come out and play and have fun. Right. You know, if you live in the greater Hamilton, New Jersey area, the greater Mapleshade, New Jersey area, or the greater Richboro, PA area, you're well within range of coming out to a trivia night and uh, we hope that you can join us we always have a lot of fun doing it um you know and everyone obviously also knows about not only the show but the blog that we have mm-hmm. um but uh i think that uh, some of the things that people aren't necessarily aware of are things like some of our available positions that we that we're still trying to fill with uh more people we're trying to bring on to our team as of we course. grow yep. that's a big thing yep um you know, we have we have a number of positions available that um, you know we we really could use some additional help. I mean, OSIP is growing at a at a reasonably good rate, and this um, is like almost a good problem to have. Exactly, it's like having too much starting pitching, right? In baseball, yeah. You know, um, you know, we could use some people who are uh, you know savvy with uh, publicity and media relations. We could use some people who are savvy with some financial stuff and whatnot. You know, they, mm-hmm. so there's, you know, and we could always just use more volunteers. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's there's a lot of available stuff um, and we, we encourage people who might be interested to check out our website at right. osafoundation.org to uh, see what's available. And even if something's not listed and you have an idea, Sure. Uh, you know, by all means, shoot us a line. You know, we would love to to hear what you have to say. And the more people that volunteer, the less work that everyone has to do. Absolutely, and there's not really much to it to begin with. No, I mean, I'm the I'm the the, the chairman of the board, and you know, and I'm greatly involved with the organization. But um, you know, I have a lot of help. You know, yeah. we help each other and sort of kind of recycles back to the whole mission statement. Exactly. It's all about teamwork uh, right. and you know the greater good and whatnot. So yeah, so it it's it's a great it's a great organization. I, I can, you know, um I I can be a testament to that and uh you know just just with all the meetings we have and all the events we have, it's really kind of great seeing the uh the the, the f- seeing the fruits of our labor yeah, absolutely. You know, after, after all the work that we've put into it, kind of seeing the, the, the positive reaction from the surrounding mm-hmm. communities. Yeah. So this is, this is really a, a, a chance for those who have any questions or who are interested to really become part of something that's bigger than themselves. Correct. And, um, you know, just, uh, in, in, you know, no, no amount, you know, you could, you could be involved in any capacity you want, right. really. I mean, just so that you're, you're, you know, that you're helping out and, and, um, you know, just taking pride in making the community better. This could be a full-time gig or it could not be a full-time gig. Right. You know, I think that's one of the great things about how we work is that, you know, there are so many different levels of capacity that, that people can have where, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're, if you're looking for something to dedicate a lot of your time to, or maybe it's just a couple hours a week, a couple hours a month, right. you know, these are all things where we could always use the help. Um, and speaking of the fruits of our labor, um, I think one of the best things to highlight, uh, are the fact that we now have uh, sportsmanship awards that we, we yep. have begun to roll out. Um, we've been doing this pilot program, with uh, Timberlane Middle School here in uh, in Pennington, New Jersey, um, where uh, 
in working with the principal and the athletic director, we have sele- we select a, a number of student athletes each season uh, to receive the sportsmanship award, which is basically just you know it's a certificate and a wristband, and mm-hmm. and they get invited to a small ceremony where they get a free lunch with pizza and stuff like and salad. I have to mention the salad. There is right. salad. Okay, got to be healthy. Right. Um, I had some salad. You did have the salad. I remember it was that. good. Yeah, it's good salad. Yeah, but anyway. Uh, you know, you, what we're doing is we are uh, highlighting and commending these student athletes at a very malleable age. You know, the, 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 the early teenage adolescent years, as, as the bodies start to grow, as the hormones start to flow and whatnot, you know, it's, it's, it's really a delicate time where you can instill into some of these people the, ne- the necessary aspects of sportsmanship not just on the field of play but in life in general and if i may if i may interrupt um it's not necessarily the best performing athletes it's the ones who demonstrate positive sportsmanship uh that go above and beyond and are true team players right you know so this i think that's what i love most about about these awards is that you know you're all, every team is going to have its superstar. Of course. But, you know, every person's job, and you mentioned this in, in your, I think, was it your latest blog on the strike zone? I think it was, that yeah. That everyone plays an equally important part. Everyone is a cog in the machine. Right, exactly. So if you're demonstrating good sportsmanship, your part is just as important as the the role of a superstar absolutely you know it as, as, a, as a high performing athlete right so um you know these kids and i was fortunate enough to be at this this um this uh, this lunch uh these kids had some tremendous stories how about the the wrestler alejandro yes so this is uh, this is probably this is the, the highlight oh my god not not that anyone's story is more important but when we read this story i think we i mean i just think that it encapsulates everything that we were, we're talking about. Mm-hmm. This is a kid who, you know, the family, uh, there's there's still a little bit of a language barrier. Um, and uh, he's, I think he was an eighth grader. Eighth grader, yeah. And, and uh, nicest I, kid you ever want I think meet. he demonstrated enough to, I think he was the captain of the team, if I remember correctly. I'm not I sure. I think so. So anyway, he got, there was some sort of fight that broke out on the wrestling team. It was some sort of skirmish. I don't remember if it was with just his team or another team. I don't remember the exact details, but ultimately, when he was confronted about this, um, you know, they, they they tried to he tried to explain it, and they said, "Well, did you fight back or anything?" And he said, "No, you know, my job as the captain of this team is to set a good example, and fighting back in something like this where it was not the right thing to do, you know." I, it would have it would have been the wrong thing, in 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 you know throwing a punch or anything like that. So mm-hmm. he 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 I guess he took the punch or whatever it was, and then just kind of walked away from it. I mean I'm sure he was upset and obviously he was probably in a little bit of pain and whatnot. But he in that moment realized that there were more important things at stake and in play mm-hmm. here. And I mean I remember just reading that and just thinking, oh my God, this kid gets it at such a young age very mature very wise much so. beyond his years absolutely and so we're going to be looking at this program 
uh, over the summer and trying to expand it to other local middle schools um, in the hope that we get the same results. Right. You know, um, we want to continue to do this at that level. Maybe eventually it goes to other levels, but it's so satisfying, you know, so fulfilling mm-hmm. to see it at this level because they're in that that weird middle space of right. life, you know, and and so it's just it's just an amazing thing to see. And again, these are athletes who are not in the not necessarily as much in the spotlight as the leading players right. are. So I think that's an, and I, I go back to that again. That's so important because there are so many things that you could do outside of athletic performance to be a great contributor to the team. Right. And, uh, you know, so, and this is one of them. So, um, yeah, these awards are great. Uh, I think we've reached, uh, we're reaching a pretty sizable um, constituents. Yep. Uh, constituency, constituency. Yeah, constituency. Constituents is, uh, is the, the plural. Sing- yeah, the right. The, the people. Right. In general. Yeah. Grammar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but uh, yeah. So this is this is a great program, right. and um, happy to be a part of it. And the other program that we should mention yep. uh, that just started is what we call Officials Anonymous, or Off and On, for short. I did that purposely. I like you that. like that off and on. Off and on. Uh, officials Anonymous is a sport group, a sport group, a support group for sports officials. Um, you know, there is there is a need for officials to have an outlet to discuss the parts of the job that do not necessarily entail rules and mechanics. You know, a lot of officials we spend a lot of time going over these things, trying to interpret the rules, trying to figure out what happens in certain plays and situations, uh, who covers what, what mechanics do we use, where do we go, you know, all these different things that we we miss some of the more emotional sides of the job, such as dealing with with people and and some of the abuse that we take. And we, you know, we see it a lot, the the unfortunate stories of officials being abused, usually verbally, but sometimes physically. And what we want to do is create uh, an environment where sports officials can come together, regardless of the sport, and just open up. And that's not an easy thing to do, because most of these people are hardened males. I know it's a stereotype, but it's unfortunately true, where they don't have the ability to open up. They don't have the ability to understand that, you know, they can hurt and it's okay. A lot of people just bottle this up as part of the job, and I see it all the time with other officials. And, and it probably affects their job I negatively. I think it does. I really think it does. And if it doesn't affect their job, it can affect other areas of their life. They can go home and have a bad home life because of it. I know mm-hmm. I've been there where, you know, we talk, you know, in life you hear a lot about how you shouldn't take your work home with you. Mm-hmm. But human beings don't always have that boundary you know we 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 constantly struggle with that sometimes the line is blurred and you know it's I think it's very easy to see especially at this amateur level where you walk off the field after a game you just you know heard it from coaches for god knows how long or players or fans or whatever and the last thing you want to do is go home to your family because you know that there's something at home that you kind of don't want to deal with or you know you just 
any any numbers of situations could arise here and it kind of just piles on and and that's what we want to do is we want to say listen we want to help you through this we want to make sure that the, your job is not doing this to you in whatever capacity that it might be doing you know so mm. you know we we meet the the third wednesday of every month in in hopewell borough um, and we encourage any sports official, regardless of your sport, regardless of your level, to to sign up, go to our website and click on Officials Anonymous. There's a small little sign-up page. That's that's there only so that we know how many people to expect, so we know what to buy for refreshments. That's all. It's there. You know, there's no other. There's no fee associated. There's no expectation it's just we want to be responsible and know okay if we're going to have five people we want to make sure we have coffee and donuts for five people you know right. which i think is just general responsibility mm-hmm. but uh we we encourage people to do that where is this going to meet specifically it's in hopewell borough at the same place that we rehearse at the uh the cooltronics Ch- building oh, the children's the children's theater. Theater. yeah okay yeah. so so all that information we send out uh once you once you sign up so that uh, you know where to go, and that there are signs there, and you know whatnot. So you know it's it's a it, believe me, we are on top of it. Maybe some of these officials are also musicians, and we would love to have them join our other venture, <laughs> right? You know, but let's not get crazy. Yeah, you know? well, one yeah. thing at a time. Yeah, <laughs> I can I speak from experience when I say there are a lot of officials out there who are dumb as heck. So sometimes that's me having trouble dressing myself. Yeah, and humaning. Right. Yeah. So I'm right there with you. You know, you should be an official. I'm not an official. Mean, yeah, I'm not an official, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's tough to humans. It, sometimes. Yes, it is. So that kind of encapsulates what we're doing with OSIP right now, and we encourage everybody to to go on our website osipfoundation.org. Uh, you can always chime in by emailing us podcast at osipfoundation.org. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions. There's also contact stuff on the website. And as always, we encourage you to get involved in the conversation of what we're talking about, especially on social media. You can go to facebook.com slash Foundation to comment and post and whatnot. Or on Twitter, you can use uh, our handle at Foundation and then just hashtag how you play the game. And uh, we'll, we will gladly try and read some of your stuff on the show, talk about it, and uh, see what we can uh, use from you. Because obviously, we want people to um, contribute. We want people. We want this to be interactive. We hope that we can... Uh, make this a two-way street and 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 help people grow that way. It's not just us throwing stuff at people and saying, "Deal with this, learn it, etc." You know, and that brings up another point that I was going to mention. You know, you have this support group for mm-hmm. for officials. You know, maybe I maybe I could speak for you and say that you know, if you're an official and you're listening, feel free to you know, drop us a line or, or, you know, send us a message if you have a question. Absolutely. Regarding officiating. Right. You know, I mean, you know, Jack's been in the game for, for as long as I've known him. And, uh, he, I'm sure he could shed some really interesting light on, on certain questions that anybody may have. Um, so I'm sort of plugging you. On your own, on our own show. Oh, great! Just what I need. Uh, More work. But, but no, I mean it. You know, don't be afraid to reach out. Is, exactly is, is what we're we're saying. And you know what? And it's tough to do that. It's tough to open up. 
it, it can be really tough. Yes. So take all the time you need. You know, I'm not. I'm not saying you must contact us right now. Do it. But do it. Do it. Um, but but you know, take stock in what you need to say. You know, if you need to carefully craft what you need to say, take your time. And when you get up the courage, let us know. You know, we'd love to hear from you. I can't emphasize enough that sports officials probably have it tougher than anybody thinks when it comes to this stuff. Because the old adage is we are expected to be perfect and then improve, (laughs) which is impossible. So there is a psychological game that we each play uh, and it deals with us in these these fight or flight syndrome ways where it's very tough for officials to, e- to either not be scared to death or exceptionally egotistical and arrogant you know um, it's you know I, I, I see sports officials sometimes as one of two types of people and we'll go back to Star Wars with this okay they're either the Han Solo-esque from uh, from like a new hope where they're the the arrogant flyboy mm-hmm. who thinks he knows everything and throws his weight around and yada 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 or they're the young ambitious yet scared Luke Skywalker where hmm. you know they 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 might be a little whiny but they're afraid to talk out of turn sometimes they're afraid of what other people might say you know just that scared farm boy right. you know who thinks I can't get involved yeah. I got work to do. Right. You know, do, do you think that, you know, going into this, not too deeply, but the, into the psychology of it all, when umpires eject a player or a coach, um, how hard is it for them to do so if they, if they've been like bombarded, let's say with criticism from both sides and, and and ridicule how hard is it for them to not eject someone out of frustration <laughs> i mean i'm sh- i'm sure that has happened oh absolutely at some point. you have to remember that all sports officials are humans and human emotion plays a role in it and the more you get on people the more their dander gets up and and that obviously plays an effect do you know of any examples? That- well, I can tell you from my own experience that uh, there are a lot of situations where I had to discipline somebody not because it was necessary based on the rules. Like there are a couple of situations where obviously I, my hands are tied. I have no choice. Right. You know, uh, malicious contact in, in youth sports is an automatic ejection. Okay. There's nothing I can do about that. That's not frustration. That's just playing by the rule book. Exactly. That's the kid tried to hurt another kid by rule. He has to be ejected. Right. I have no say in that. That's that's the mechanic. That's what I have to do. And I would say the overwhelming majority of the time, the coaches understand. I think maybe one time when I had to do that, uh, a coach said to me, you know, that that was the wrong call, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, no, it's the right call, you know, because it was clearly wrong what your kid did. Um, with, But there are other times where, like, I remember I was doing a game once. It was, I think it was a JV game. Mm-hmm. And this scrawny kid, like, I'm looking at him like, how did, he was a pitcher. He was the pitcher. He's on third base. 
I don't even know how he was able to get the ball to the plate. He looked like he had he was a complete twig. Mm. So anyway, sacrifice fly to right field. Kid starts and tags and tries to score. Ball beats him by a mile. The catcher's standing there waiting to tag him, full gear on. And the catcher, or not the catcher, the runner, goes into him with his hands up with the intent to try and knock him down, which is obviously malicious contact. The funny thing was that the catcher just stood his ground, put it up. He was like a brick wall. The kid trying to go in goes completely in the other direction, just falling backwards. Oh, my God. And I'm looking at him like there was, there was, there was a good you know half a second where you kind of have that look on your face like, really? Did this just happen? Everything that is happening now oh, is happening, happening now. now. <laughs> so I looked at it and I was just like, you, you could see this like, ugh, feeling coming out of me. And I was like, time, he's out and he's ejected for malicious contact. And the coach comes up to me afterwards and goes, that was absolutely the right call. And I was like, oh, I know. That's why I made it. <laughs> but, his own coach? His own coach. <laughs> You know, because and he, he kind of just had like that grin on his face. Like, I can't believe that this idiot did that. Like, do you wow. not know how small you are? Wow. <laughs> it was it was it was it was a little bit more humorous than anything else. But um, but there are a lot of times where, unfortunately, your emotion gets the better of you. And that's what causes this kind of stuff to happen. Can you think of any examples in professional baseball? Um, it's tough to say in professional baseball just because you're not there and there are a lot of different interpretations on on the way that it works. Um, you know, I, I, I would probably have to say, especially because there's a lot of there are a lot of other inside information tidbits that go into this that are, we're not privy to. Yeah. You know, a lot there are a lot of ejections in baseball that are pure show. You know, managers get themselves kicked mm. out of games to try and rile their team right. up. And and clearly, umpires are in on it. Umpires, because <laughs> unless you're the best lip reader in the world, you know, you're, you're not sure what they're saying to umpires, but a lot of umpires hear it and they're just like, okay, this guy is saying I'm doing a fantastic job, but he's doing it in the most demonstrative way that he's saying, you have to kick me out of this game. You have to kick me out of this game, blah, 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 blah. And the, the guys, I remember Dale Scott, who recently retired, had an article out where he literally would put his hand over his mouth mm-hmm. as the umpire's coming out, or as, as the coach is coming out to argue. And he, the first thing Dale would say is, are you, do you have a serious gripe or is this a show? And normally they would say, this is a show. <laughs> and then he keeps his hand over his mouth so he, he stops himself from laughing right. as, the, as the coach starts going through all the, the, the machinations and mm-hmm. whatnot, throwing the hat, kicking the dirt right. and whatnot. You know? It's very interesting, yeah. the dynamic. And then they would get ejected. And then they would get ejected and you know, pay a small fine to MLB, and that's it. That's fascinating. It's, it's weird, man. It is a. Does weird... that happen in any other sport? Would you say? Would you say? Or I don't. It... I don't know. I don't think so because in football, it's you can't get ejected unless you throw punches. Mm-hmm. In basketball, most technical fouls are due to actual things that that occur, like talking back to officials and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and in hockey, uh, you know. You got to do a serious crime on the ice to get a you know a, a game misconduct. Hmm. So so very fascinating. It is. How that, it the, really the whole is. Dynamic of that. Now speaking of my experiences, <laughs> let's now 
transition into some of the stories we want to talk about today. Yeah, sure. So this is one that happened last night before we went to the movie, okay? I told you about this yesterday. So I had a game uh, in the evening before we went out. It was a bunch of kids, probably around 10 years old in that general area, between 9 and 11, let's say, you know. Um, it's on the Little League field, you know, the short field. It's a one-man game. It's just me. And during the ground rules, uh, you know, the coaches and I are talking about everything, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you have to ask a couple of questions because you go from league to league and the rules are different, you know, the in-house rules of how you play and whatnot. Um, one of the things that we have in youth baseball uh, is a time limit usually. And this is to prevent the kids from getting bored or getting hurt, you know, the games lasting forever, etc. So uh, in this particular league, the, the time limit rule was no new inning can start after an hour and 45 minutes. So we had a six o'clock start. No new winning can begin after seven forty-five, and we were all we were all fine with that. This uh, is before the game. This is before this the game. Okay. Uh, and there's no drop dead time. That's something that some leagues have, where basically as soon as it hits like eight o'clock, boom, game's over. Uh, but this is just no new winning after after an hour forty-five. We agreed. Um, so we're playing the game. We get to the bottom of the fourth inning. The home team takes the lead in the bottom of the fourth. Uh, as we start the top of the fifth, we're at about 7.40. So we have five minutes before the time limit. So obviously we're going to play the fifth inning, and then that's probably going to be it. Top of the fifth happens. The visiting team does not score. So now the home team is ahead 9-8, to eight, I think. It's now 7.50. So And the home team is up. And the home team is due, ahead. Due up. And they're due up in the bottom of the fifth. Right. So... There's no way that the visiting team can come back to win because right. their time of bat has ended. Mm-hmm. We're not playing beyond the fifth inning. So I, I go over to the home coach because he was kind of thinking along the same lines I was. And I said, well, what do you want to do? You know, um, we, you know, normally we would finish the inning, which is the bottom of the fifth. Uh, you're ahead, so there's really no point to playing this for the purposes of finding out who wins the game. Right. However... You know, it, depending upon what you and the other coach want to do, I'm here. You know, I'm I'm allowed to stay for the, the last half inning. If you if the kids want to play in order to get, you know, more work in or whatever, I'm I'd be more than happy to stay. You know, um, so he's kind of thinking about it. and He's like not sure what to do because he he sees the same conundrum here. He's like, you know, the game's over, but do we want the kids to play? It's getting late. I mean, do they get anything out of it? Are they tired? But, you know, so it's all the the logical questions that you kind of ask. And this is the home team. This is the home team's coach. Okay. So the visiting team's coach comes over and gets in on the conversation. And I said and I explained to him, here's the situation. You know, the game is essentially over at this point. But you're allowed to play the bottom of the 5th if you want to. What do you want to do? And he says, oh, I think we should play the full six innings. And I said, oh, we can't really do that. We're beyond the time limit, which we agreed upon at the ground rules. Um, you know, so that's what we're, you know, I'm not, I'm not changing the rules because of your desire for this. Uh, fair is fair, and we got to do this. And he continues to go on this persuasive rant of trying to get us to agree to continue to play so that his team hasn't has the chance to come back and win. And 
basically I kept saying, you know, and the other coach kept saying, you know, that we, we kind of agreed that, you know, the home coach kind of agreed like, yeah, if you want to play the bottom of the fifth, we have no problem in doing it. We're the ones that bat. It's up to you guys if you want to play the field, you know, but the game's practically over. And finally, the the visiting coach was just like, whatever, do whatever you want. And as they said, okay, we'll play the bottom of the fifth and that's it. He calls his team in from off the field and says, okay, guys, get on the bench. Game's over. So, in essence, this coach, because he didn't have an opportunity to win, said, well, if I can't have it my way, I'm taking my ball and going home. Completely ignoring the fact that this isn't about winning and losing. It's about the opportunity for the kids to have a good time. Right, and to just continue playing. Right. Now, if that coach had come out and said, yeah, there's really no point to us continuing, you know, I'm cool calling it here if that's what you want to do. I might. He may not be happy about it, but, you know, kind of agreeing that that's the right thing to do. Well, I'd especially be like, since this is what everyone agreed to in the first place. Exactly, exactly. You know, this, it's almost like you should have a written contract. Yeah, well, that's kind of what it's coming to, to a certain degree, which is a little ridiculous. For Little League. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was pretty sad, to be honest with you, but... Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I felt and the bad. fact that he pulled all the kids off the field and yeah. said, "You're sitting on the bench. We're going. That's it. We're going." Yeah, that's so immature. It very and much it, is. And it's a bad. It's a, setting a bad example for your for your for your for your team. Right. You know, you're an adult. Exactly. You are an adult, and you're you're pulling the kids off the field and saying, "All right, that's it." Yep. Yeah. So, not not a good job. No, there. no, unfortunately not. Um, this story actually is a good story that I just found as we were setting up. Okay. Okay. Uh, this took place in Ohio, uh, outside of Cincinnati. It was in Mason, Ohio. A uh, young man named Davis Roby. Uh, it was a senior track star. Okay. Okay. He was competing uh, to uh, make the, uh, the, the regional... Uh, regional qualifier uh, or qualifying for the regional the regional meet um he ultimately threw a discus that went 132 feet is that is that a lot that's a lot okay the scorer put down 137 feet there was some mistake there twos kind of look like sevens to a certain degree yeah just like eights look like threes Right, and and <laughs> cut in half. Right, are you okay? You're okay <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. Okay. So anyway, oh, we're rolling. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. So so anyway, uh, with the score of 137, he would have qualified as the fourth finisher to move on. Well, he looked at. Oh, his, that was the that was the, the he would cut have, off. He, well, he he would have had the, the fourth best score, which means he oh, would have advanced. Oh. Okay. Instead, with the right score, he would have finished seventh and not advanced. Mm-hmm. So he alerted the scorer that he made a mistake. And they corrected the score, and unfortunately, that cost him from moving on. But they, they went on to say, this was, this was such a great show of sportsmanship and integrity by this kid. And he said, I didn't think it would be a big deal because he thought most people would do the right thing, which was to do this. And he said, basically... How naive. Exactly. He said, <laughs> I'm it's sorry. Basi- but he said, you know, it's not fair. What if I was the kid who didn't make the cut because of this error? You know? So he wanted the right kid to get to go on. 
And so That's it was very admirable. It was it was very very admirable. You know, so 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 a, a kudos to him. You know, and the other and the the uh, the competing high school of the kid who ended up going was very thankful and and made sure to point it out and whatnot. So it was a really just a great job overall. Excellent. You know, excellent story. Um, and this, you know, and you make lifelong friends that exactly. way too. It said here that this kid also worked at um, at some Christian ministries, uh, worked with students with disabilities in a youth baseball league, and has volunteered at a local women's shelter as well. So the kid clearly has a good head on his shoulders to understand, good. you know, what the right thing to do is. Great. So, so fantastic job to him. Um, I don't. I can't say enough about it. Wonderful. So, great. Let's go back to some bad stories now. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So this this story uh, was sent to me that a uh, a huge fight broke out at a charity cornhole tournament down in Atlanta. So and there it is. Exactly. So apparently, the Douglas County Chamber of Commerce was hosting its annual cornhole competition. Um, and uh, this was uh, a charity event to raise money to provide local high school students with scholarships. For those of us who don't know, uh-huh. I, I know what cornhole is. Right. But- cornhole is a game with uh, bean bags, essentially, mm-hmm. and a a board, like a card, not cardboard, but like a, a wooden board with holes cut out in them. And the idea is you stand at a distance and toss the bean bags right. to try and get them to go in the various holes. And there are points associated with it, right. and yada, yada, yada. So... And you could also knock someone else's bag into a hole. Exactly. Kind of like um, shuffleboard. It's or, like bocce or, ball. Or, or curling. Yeah, or um, uh, horseshoes to a certain degree. Yeah. You know? So anyway, they're at this tournament, uh, and apparently there was a, uh, a problem with uh, someone keeping score. Someone had the wrong score. Or there was a mistake somewhere, mis- miscommunication, you know. And let's be clear, this is a charity event? Yes. Okay. So some spectator caught the whole thing on camera, and a huge fight started to break out. Fists were were, were thrown. Clothing was torn off. I mean, it was. it got really, really weird. So then someone who was... In charge of the tournament, came over, they were screaming, you know, stop it right now, we'll stop this tournament, this is stupid, absolutely ridiculous, get out of here, we are adults, cut the crap, all that kind of stuff, you know, so it's really just a, a shame, that, I don't know, I mean, the fight stopped, cooler heads prevailed, but I don't know if apologies were issued, anything like that, it was just stupid, it was, as it says right here in this headline, this is stupid, yeah, but I mean, especially since it's a charity event, yeah, and it's supposed to be fun. It's cornhole, right? For crying out it's, loud, I, I mean, you're supposed to drink and have fun, right? Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Here's another story. This came from Scott Jennings in the Courier Journal, which comes out of uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. Okay. So he went to he. St- the article actually starts off a very interesting way. He goes, and I quote. I went to a White Sox versus Orioles baseball game recently and left appalled by the lack of sportsmanship. The players acted appropriately, but a team manager exhibited shocking behavior. In the second inning, the Orioles manager jumped from his dugout to berate the umpires, convincing them to throw a White Sox player out of the game. The player in question was good 
It was a definite advantage to have him tossed, but he probably wasn't ready for that kind of major league treatment. He is, after all, just nine years old. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Mentally? No, here's what happened. I, this was, this was a, 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 a youth game okay. between nine-year-olds. Okay. The two teams were the White Sox and the Orioles. Uh, okay? okay. And what apparently happened in this particular game was that one of the players for uh, his kid's team um, had a soccer game before this baseball game. They all knew he was going to be late, and Mother did a good job of saying he's coming from one to the other, blah, 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 blah. So when his first turn at bat came, you know, normally some of the rules are you take an out in the lineup because there's no one there to bat. So he t- they took an out, and then they moved through it, and then he shortly came thereafter, and uh, everything was fine after that, okay? Now, the, the adults running the other team rushed the field demanding that this kid be tossed, because, for being late? For being late. They said, and and unfortunately, the umpires were teenagers. They didn't know what to do, and they just wilted and ended up ejecting the kid huh. because they were just scared. They didn't know what to do. Um, you know, you know, and, and, and I mean, the, the poor kid who got ejected just hung his head and walked off the field. And the opposing manager was smirked and was excited, basically because he pulled off a coup, wor- a coup worthy of recognition in the Cooperstown archives, in a, according to this article. His message, quote, win at all costs, even if it means de- demanding that a nine-year-old kid be barred from a baseball diamond. I mean... Well, it sounds like he has a level head on his shoulders. Yeah. It's just, it, it, I was so sad when I heard this. That basically, you know, your nine-year-old kid's victory is more important than anything else. And you also got to sort of think of it from the umpire's point of view, especially if they're teenagers, you know. What, I mean, yeah. What do you do? Don't. I, yeah. And, and that that I think is something important that we don't we don't seem to understand in a lot of youth sports. And I'm going to say this from. I would say this is probably from the you know the the high school level down and whatever the, um, recreational equivalent might be at that point, Legion baseball, whatever. Mm-hmm. People try and take advantage of the umpires. And that's ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. I don't understand how people think that that can be anywhere near an appropriate thing to do. Right. You know? Um, I mean, it says here in the article, uh, uh, the, the, the Scott Jennings writes, quote, all parents fall short from time to time. We snap when we should have taken a deep breath. We look at our phones when we should be looking at our kids. We say and do things in front of young eyes and ears we wish we could take back. Trouble comes when our failings morph, in, morph from isolated lapses into a full-blown lifestyle. The lessons we pass on are certain to manifest themselves in ways that damage our cultural, our, our cultural years down the road. If you find yourself conspiring with other adults to have a mere child thrown off a baseball diamond, take a deep breath and reevaluate your life. You weren't put on this earth to block a kid from having fun at sports, nor to instill a snide ruthlessness in the next generation. Wow. 
there's a side note to this that I think is interesting to, to recognize as well. You know, we always talk about you're always on stage. Yep. This, this, this coach clearly was unaware that there was an author there who had a, an outlet to expose this. Yeah. And now he, and now this, this, this idiot coach is getting the, the bad side of the deal. Hmm. Anyway, let's switch over to another segment of the show. And let's go to DQ review. Oh, my favorite part. Oh, so I wanted to do this now because this week we had two ejections that I thought we needed to, to look at real quick. Okay. All right. So the first one was home plate umpire Pat Hoberg ejected Yankees manager Aaron Boone for his first managerial ejection. Okay. Uh, the, the, the call was correct. The pitch in question where he got tossed was at the top of the strike zone. And it was the, outside, too. Right? It, was, it looked, from, the, from a certain vantage point, it looked high and outside. But according to the, the plot used the, within the computer to generate the strike zone, it was a strike. Hmm. The reason I bring this up, um, oh, and before I bring it up, I just want to share this. You know, our friend Gil Imber does all these write-ups mm-hmm. he has he comes up with an alliteration title for each single each ejection so i wanted to just read it for for the two that we have here today this one goes quote hoberg hears harmful hullabaloo and heaves hard-headed hapless honcho wow pretty good right yeah yeah so the reason i bring this one up is because everyone in the media everyone around the team is kind of use, was using this as a rite of passage, basically saying, okay, Boone got his first managerial ejection. You know, he's, he's gone through the rite of passage of being a manager, blah, 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 blah. And immediately I, I had to say this. That is the dumbest thing I've heard in a while. And I hear a lot of dumb things. <laughs> I hang out with you and a lot of other people who say a lot of dumb things. I certainly do. I say an equal amount of dumb things. This is dumb. To, to, to call this a rite of passage when players and coaches and everyone are making obscene amounts of money to play a game and to entertain fans, to call this a rite of passage to earn your first ejection... That is an embarrassment. Earning your first ejection. It is an absolute embarrassment to be ejected from a a game, in my opinion. You're basically being told your conduct is such that I cannot, you cannot stay here anymore. You are acting inappropriately and you must leave the confines of this game. You can no longer participate. That's a horrible thing. It's, It's by calling this a rite of passage, it's almost equating it. To saying you're condoning inappropriate behavior. You're basically it's 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 very similar to saying something like hazing is okay. Mm-hmm. That is the most asinine thing that you can say in sports and in, in certain areas of life in general. To be part of this club, to go through this rite of passage, it's it, it's ludicrous. So I have a real problem with the members of the media and with you know a lot of other people around the game. Who who say yeah this was a rite of passage for him? It's 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 absolutely absurd that we allow this tra- this 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 line of thought to to be condoned, in my opinion. 
You know, I just, I just don't, yeah. I don't know what else to say about it. You know, it's sort of embarrassing for the game in a way. I think so. You know, like I mean, it, it, every, you know, the only devil's advocate here. Okay. The only way I could see this as possibly, I wouldn't call it a rite of passage, but. Like what you were saying before, putting on a show right. to rouse your players. Okay. I can kind of see that. That was some of the stuff that they were talking about. Like a lot of the players, when they were interviewed afterwards, they said, this is just a nice way of showing that he's got our back. Right. You know? And I can respect that if the situation warranted it. But, I mean, was the call... Was it a big out? I mean, no, was it, it was strike one in an at bat. So, so then what? I mean, yeah. No, listen. I looked at the plot for Hoberg's game that night. There was nothing obscene about his zone. You know, you look at these these strike zone plots and you look to see how, were there any bad misses or anything like that. I really didn't see anything that made me say, "Wow, this guy had a bad game." I really didn't. Hmm. Um, it's just. You know, I guess to to follow up on your point, when when we hear these conversations about riling up your team, showing that you have their back, things like that, I always look at it this way because I think that that point has some merit. But I always counter with this: if you can't get fired up, riled up, whatever you want to call it, to play a game when you're being paid that kind of money and have that kind of lifestyle, you do not deserve the opportunity. Mm. It's that, it's plain and simple, okay? If you're just, you know, laissez-faire, kind of lazy, getting, you know, going through the motions, you know, and, and, and your manager thinks, you know what, I need to get kicked out of this game to show that these guys, show these guys I'm serious, that's, that's not on the manager. That's on the player for being a jerk, mm. you know? It's, it's absolutely... It's absolutely ridiculous. It's almost like they forget how much money they make yeah, while they're playing. Exactly. And I'm not saying that they don't deserve to make that money. I think, you know, capitalism in general dictates that when you when you are working on this type of a craft as an entertainer where that's very difficult, when you have to sacrifice a lot of your life, your body, your family time, your you know, lots of travel, all these different things, you definitely deserve to be compensated. Now, there are other aspects where it's like, okay, do they deserve to be compensated this amount? That's a different story. Do they deserve to be compensated more than the real heroes that we have in life, the teachers, the firefighters, you know, the, you know, the people who, who are really doing you know, the, the, the real work? No, it's not fair. But it's what the market dictates. Mm-hmm. It just, I just feel like people need to put it into perspective a little bit more. You know? Mm-hmm. So... So I'm down on them for that. And then the second ejection here brings out our good friend Angel Hernandez. Well, can we what's the uh the, anecdote for this one? You mean the 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 alliteration? Yeah. I was just gonna get to that. Okay. Just to give you the I'm the, so anxious to I hear know. it. I just want to give you the background first of the ejection because okay. then it'll make this one work. Okay? okay. Um Angel Hernandez ejected Brewers manager Craig Council uh over two pitches that were deemed the incorrect call 
when their closer, Corey Knable, threw them, and he was upset. And instead of him getting tossed, the manager came out to get in between them, and he earned the ejection as a result. The alliteration says, quote, Cyan-clad contest controller cannot console carping counsel on Corey's K-calamity. Wow. These are great tongue twisters. Kudos, they should go into a book. Kudos to, to Gil. Wow. Yeah. We should not write this book, though, because no. we'll make it worse. Right. <laughs> I think you know where I'm going with this. Gangy. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, back to the ejection. So Angel Hernandez, as we all know, has a little bit of a reputation. Uh, he, I think I saw this, actually. Yeah. The, the, guy, the guy has made a lot of strides. He used to be a very poor umpire. I think he's made strides. Mechanically? Be, mechanically. I think, he, I think he missed a lot of calls. I think he had a bad strike zone. I think there were just a lot of problems. Um, I think that he made a lot of bad decisions with who he ejected at certain times, stuff like that. There's just a lot of bad luck and he got even got more uh, of an issue when things happened like one time at Wrigley Field uh, I forget who the celebrity was who was singing take me out to the ball game but he was clearly inebriated and there was a close play that went against the Cubs and Angel Hernandez was behind the plate and over the microphone after singing take me out to the ball game this drunken guy goes and I'm going to talk to that home plate umpire about that horrendous call and that guy was ejected from the stadium then Wow. I mean, it's just, just inappropriate stuff to say. You don't do that. Right. You know? So, anyway, Hernandez, in my opinion as an official, definitely has that poor reputation, but he's been making strides at trying to improve. He's really been doing, I feel, uh, the necessary work to, to gain favor and, and to become a better umpire. On the, on the flip side, Hernandez has sued Major League Baseball over racial discrimination because there are umpires who with, who's, uh, who have uh, lesser marks, you know, the observation's not as good as him, who are getting promoted to crew chief and getting World Series assignments ahead of him. He actually might have a little bit of a gripe in that because the person who's in charge of that is Joe Torrey, former Major League Baseball player and manager. Mm-hmm. And Torrey has had run-ins with Hernandez before. So unfortunately, there, there could be some bias there that, that warrants... Uh, credence to this lawsuit, which is a different uh, circumstance altogether because whoever's in charge of the umpire should not be a former player or manager. That's mm. that's a little, that's kind of bad. That doesn't look right. good. Conflict of interest. Exactly. Um, anyway, with regard to this specific game, there were two pitches that Corey Knable threw that uh, Hernandez called them both balls. Um, the... The first pitch that he that he called a ball was actually a ball. It was close, but it was off the outer edge of the plate, so the, it was the correct call. The second pitch was a strike, and he called it a ball. The reason that it looked bad was because the catcher set up on the outside part of the plate and had to reach all the way inside for uh, to catch the pitch. So, and you'll, you'll see a lot of umpires say this, even if it's a strike. If a catcher has to reach that far across his body to get the pitch, you know, the guy missed his spot, that that can fool an umpire into thinking that's a ball, especially when you're at the major league level where these pitchers are supposed to have this pinpoint accuracy and control. So the pitch was clearly in the zone, but he called it a ball, and I can see why. It was a terrible reception of the pitch, 
You know, it happens. So the pitcher, Knable, comes out. You know, he's come down from the mound. He's got his arms up, showing up the umpire, showing up Hernandez, basically. And this was a walk, right? Yeah, it was a walk in the ninth inning with with, with two outs. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I definitely saw this. Yeah. So counsel comes out to take up the argument. He gets ejected as a result. And in the very next batter, the catcher throws out the runner trying to steal game over. But the point is that people got on Hernandez so quickly just because he's Angel Hernandez and didn't take the time to look at the situation. The first pitch was borderline. The second pitch had a horrible uh, reception. Okay? Was it a strike by the rule book? Yeah, it was. Can you fault him for making the call, though? No. And he's going to catch a load of junk because he's Angel Hernandez. Mm. And that's not fair. I don't think that's fair at all. So I wanted, I, I just wanted to put on the record that I don't think it's right that we continue to judge Angel Hernandez in this manner and continue to just come down on him because of who he is. I understand he has a bad reputation. I understand that there are some things from his past that don't really follow him well. But I think a lot of it's bad luck. And I think we need... as Victim of circumstance. Exactly. I think we as fans you know, of the game need to look at it a little bit more objectively. Hmm. So that's what I have to say about that one. Wow. Anything from you? No, this is, this has been a a really good episode. I think, you know, I'll tell you, I think this was a really good episode for a couple of reasons. First of all, we got a lot of good stuff out of the way from the get go about, about OSIP in general, Mm -hmm. which I think we don't, we don't spend a lot of time on because we always have so much material to get to. So I think it's important we did that. And number two, and we talked about Star Wars. That was important too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I give that movie a seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. I think that's. I think it's a solid seven out of ten. I'm going to say seven point five. Okay, I respect that. I yeah. respect that. We won't give. We won't give away any spoilers right now. But I certainly liked. I I've been liking the standalone movies more than the episodic ones, right. as you say. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess because they're just. I don't know. They're charming in a way. I don't know. I know. I, I don't. I don't think that your your point is invalid. I just didn't like Rogue One. See, I, that's where See, we differ. We differ. There. I liked Rogue yeah, One. Yeah, I couldn't stand it. And I and and I liked Force Awakens. And I didn't was yeah, lukewarm yeah. about it. But we both hated Last Jedi. Oh God. Yeah. That okay. Was... Well, we can always end on that common note. Right. Yes. <laughs> We're friends again. Well, this was fantastic. Sean, thank you again for being here. Oh, no problem. Uh, we're going to do this again real soon. I hope so. You know, so um, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, be sure to get in touch with the show, as we as we have always said. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, spread the word. And uh, I guess we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. So Give us lots of stars. And, and reviews and, and subscribe. Tell your friends. Hide your kids. Hide your wives. You know. Oh, I went a little bed intruder there. Sorry. Well, yeah, yeah, but yeah. So, and then and then Chewbacca takes his mask off, and he's Mister T. So, and then you just gave it away. I did. And then and and then they all went and watched Home Alone too. There it is. There and, and there it is. So until next time, everybody treat each other with respect. How you play the game is a production of the OSIP Foundation Incorporated. The producer engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by Soundspring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osafoundation.org.
If you're interested in advertising on how you play the game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org.